Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, everyone, to episode 13 of True to the Cougs, brought to you by the Believe Network. My name is Jamie Vinnick from CougFan.com. With me, as always, my partner, Marcus Trufant of the Seattle Seahawks and former Wazoo legend. Marcus, how are we doing? Doing good, my friend. Doing well. Of course, could be doing a little bit better, but I'm good, man. It's it's the holiday season, so I'm all right. We all could be doing a little better in Coug Nation, unfortunately. Uh, I'm sure anyone listening knows what happened in the Apple Cup last weekend. Um, nothing good. We'll get into that in a minute. Um, did you just watch uh, you, you know, on kid duty Saturday night? Did you get to sit down and watch it live? Um, this week I had a hybrid deal going on, man. My daughter's birthday was actually on Thanksgiving this year. Her birthday's on the 24th. So this year it fell, uh, on Thanksgiving itself. So we had, um, a couple of days later, of course, with the cool game, we had a little bowling, skating kind of combo going on, but they did have TV. So I was able to watch the game. Um, not exactly how I wanted to watch it, but made it happen. Then I came back again, uh, uh-huh, and came back for some more uh, punishment and then watched it again. And just so I could really see what went on, man. And yeah, man, I watched it. And to be honest, it was a hell of an effort, man. It was a good game. It could have been better, of course, but it was a good game, man. I wasn't as as uh, upset as I've been in the past with some of the losses. So, hey. Right, right. Now, you said bowling and skating. Where can you do that in the Bellevue area? You know what? It was in um, Linwood, man. Oh, Linwood okay. They got both in the same area. It's the first time I, um, that I had ever been there, and it was pretty cool, man. It was bowling and skating, and you got your bar and your food and everything. It was a good look, man. Everything you need in one spot. We are not being sponsored by Linwood Bowl and Skate, by the way. I was actually just curious. I didn't know of a of a spot that had both. I knew, I knew there's skating rinks. I know bowling alleys in that area. I, I did not know of a spot that had both. So just... Case anyone's curious, Linwood Bull and Skate does not sponsor this show, but they're welcome to if they would like. Um, now, were any bets on the game, Marcus, or do you kind of leave the betting alone this weekend with such a big game? You never know in rivalry games. Yeah, man, I left it alone this week. But um, but if I did want to bet, bet, of course, I would go to Bet Online, man. And basketball is back on Bet Online, which remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchups, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. As your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's the NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. You heard it from the man. We'll move into the Apple Cup recap. We're not going to go too in-depth on it because the game did not go the way we wanted it to, but um, a 51-33 final. Uh, it was really the first time all year we'd seen the Coug defense struggle that badly. And, you know, unfortunately, the game kind of followed the same trend that the prior three weeks had. Now, the difference was Wazoo in those three weeks was up 42-7, 28-0, and 21-6 at halftime. So they were able to get away with a bit of a of a, of a rocky second half. That wasn't the case. They were down 28-27 at halftime, um, outscored 23-6 in the second half. 
you know, that that's, they'd gotten away with, again, they'd gotten away with that in the, in the prior three weeks where teams would outscore them in the second half. Um, they'd get a defensive touchdown in two of those three weeks. And that would kind of be what the, they did to kind of put the game away. But, um, you know, they, they, they had played with fire in those three wins, you know, getting outscored in the, against Stanford. Uh, they were actually, they actually outscored Stanford. It was just 10 to seven. Um, outscored by Arizona State, 18 nothing in the second half. Uh, and then against Arizona, I believe it ended up being 14-13. Um, but again, a lot of that was defensive touchdowns um, or second-string touchdowns and played with fire and, and got burned because Washington, and I was saying this in the weeks leading up, Washington was not going to stop scoring, and they were not. you weren't going to be able to get a huge halftime lead on them because of how good of a team they were. Um, the Cougs did score a second-half touchdown, but that was it. Washington scored three. Um, added a field goal, and that's all they needed. Yeah, man, like I said earlier, man, this game was um, a funny game. And, again, I thought the Cougs, they did okay. And you compared it to some of those other games, and they did get out to big leads, right? And they jumped out in front of people, and then slowly those other teams uh, started to close those gaps in a lot of those games. And with a team like Washington that is very good on the uh, offense, very – efficient um the offensive line is great and i thought that was really the tale of this game um the trenches and the o-line the cougar o-line cam ward of course and all his magic and everything that he brings to the table he was running for his life man and that was that's that's hard to get down in those late quarters um third and the fourth quarter as you need plays and you really need things to happen and you don't have the time to really make it happen. So I think that was the tale of the game. In the trenches, yeah. the UW O-line, it showed up much better. I, I absolutely agree. I think that is, is truly what it came down to. And, you know, it, we, I talked about how I thought it would be the receivers versus the secondary. Um, obviously, that was not the case. It, it came down to who was able to block and who wasn't. I mean, you look at Washington's uh, Washington State's defense generated a total of just 10 pressures in total on, on Michael Penix. Two hurry or two hits and eight quarterback hurries. They did not have a sack. Washington, on the other hand, in this game, I'll make sure that's right. Uh, yeah, Washington generated 48 pressures, 40 Ooh. hurries, two hits, and six sacks. Braylon Trice alone had 16 pressures. That's all off pro football focus, and they sometimes score that a little bit weird and maybe give a pressure when there isn't one. But either way, you could watch the game and say, oh, yeah, that uh, that wasn't maybe the best uh, the best performance by the offensive line, and it's against a good defensive line. But the biggest issue for the Cougars really was the fact that they couldn't generate any pressure. And um, it's been the case all year when they don't get pressure, that zone they sit in, it can get exposed very easily. And it's the, you know, the downside of playing so much zone is that if you can't generate constant pressure, you can get picked apart. Look at the Seahawks uh, on Saturday or on Sunday against the Raiders. Derek Carr starts to pick them apart. I mean, granted, the factor in that game was Josh Jacobs on the ground, but they couldn't get any pressure. Wazoo doesn't get any pressure. Same thing happened against Oregon. They get no pressure, and Bo Nix picks them apart and finds the soft spots in the zone, and they get beat vertically. So... You know, Brian Ward goes very heavy on the zone, and I think it was probably tough to go man without Armani Marsh. I think that was a factor, but there's got to be, I think, a little bit more man, especially when you're shorthanded, because if you look at those two games, they don't have Jordan Lee against Oregon. They don't have Armani Marsh against Washington. They're shorthanded without those two guys, 
And the secondary is thin. They've got a good group of five guys. And you look at Langford, Smith, Wade, um, uh, Marsh, and then Lockett, Hicks, and Lee. So six guys. But after that, there isn't much. I mean, you don't really have much experience at all and not a whole lot of guys you can count on. So I think that's going to be an emphasis in the offseason. They need more depth at those positions. I would agree with you. But even going back to the starters and the people that are playing in the game, they can't overcome a quarterback being able to just pat the ball back there and really make it happen. The the Cougar secondary, they're good, man. I feel like they're really good. But you go against guys that are good receivers and it's good on good, sometimes it's just going to happen, man. And there is no coverage for a perfectly thrown ball and a good route you have to get pressure. You have to make the quarterback uncomfortable. And that's what I think it came down to. So that like, so I sit up here and say the game, it wasn't that bad. Watching the game, I could understand exactly what was going on. Too much time that you got wide receivers that are too good and they go out there, man, and they catch the ball and they make it happen. It's pretty simple, but, um, but it was hard to watch. But at the same time, I understood exactly what was going on. Right. I mean, just watching Washington this year, um, it, it, it kind of I, I was always I was worried about that aspect of how well they can throw the ball and how quickly they get it out. I mean, they are masterful at you need it's third and seven. They run an eight yard route and it, it it drives it drives me nuts. And I think it drives any football fan nuts. You need third and seven. You run a three yard out. Why? Well, why? You know, get past the marker. And I think the Washington receivers between the receivers and Penix. And the play calling, they do such a good job of, we need seven, here's nine. We need eight, here's ten. Uh, and they just they get rid of the ball quickly. And their offensive line is good, but I just think the scheme that Kalen DeBoer and Ryan Grubb have, have, uh, have put in there, you saw it firsthand. It's a really good offensive scheme. And the thing was, though, that I think really hurt the Cougs is they couldn't stop the run either. You know, that was maybe, it's one of those where, okay, we can't stop this, but at least you can stop this. They couldn't stop either. Uh, I mean, Washington ran all over Wazoo, and you know maybe something to be said that uh, Wayne Toe Lapapa, UW starting running back, that's who was Mark Atuaya's pupil at Virginia, comes back and and beats his old coach. But right. I, you know, I think there were some positives to take. I, I thought the first half, once again, the Cougars' offense looked good, but I, I think that has to be mentioned as well. I mean, thirty-three points should win you a football game. I, I think, especially with a defense as good as Wazoo's is that should win you a game but it's the same woes in the second half 116 yards and six points I mean this is this was four I mean we kind of thought that maybe when you you're talking Stanford and the Arizona schools all right they're up by a bunch they went conservative no there's something going on and I think part of that's the offensive line but it's just a lack of execution all around Um, it was a very adventurous year for the offense and obviously still one more game but just talking in terms of the regular season it, it was it was very inconsistent very inconsistent, and, and and that's another thing in this game. You you see plays, and they left plays out there, um, plays on defense, people not being in the right gaps and different kind of passing schemes, and you talk about the rush, but if you can just get a guy on the ground and guys aren't wide open, you got bad eyes on double moves, I understand that certain plays are going to happen, but technical things and doing the basics, if you can do that right, that's going to save you. It might be a 12-yard game, but it's not going to be a touchdown, right? So there's little things that's both on offense and on defense. Cam Ward really trying to make it happen on offense. He's kind of scrambling around. He's running around. Um, 
that turnovers come into play and the different stuff. So you just you got to do the little things right first, and then you look for the highlights. You know, I think the one thing that is for sure is that, and I actually wrote about this this week on KoogFan.com. That is a shameless plug, by the way. Um, is the top half of the Cougar roster is very good. And I think they are able to compete with the other top halves. Where things fall off is the depth. And one of the examples I pointed to is USC. So USC loses Travis Dye, their top running back. They plug in Austin Jones, who was Stanford's starter last year and who goes for over 300 yards in two games. That's the difference between Washington State losing a guy or two and they're plugging in guys who have never played, guys who are walk-ons. Guys, you know, you look at, they lose Jarrett Kingston for the season at left tackle. They plug in Falili Fahamo at right tackle and Lili did a solid job. But this is a guy who was a defensive tackle as recently as like January. You know, the, the top teams in the conference aren't doing that. And I think that's where Washington State's got to take the step. And I think if you look at what's hurt them is there's been uh, there's been attrition with so many coaching changes. Um, you know, the, the recruiting, quite frankly, leading up into Jake's the start of Jake's tenure was not very good. They lost and they've already lost a lot of guys from the 2020 class. So that's the co- combination of Leach's last class and Rolovich's first class. A good portion of that class is already gone. They're down to just a few players left. Those are the type of things that hurt you development-wise. And I think one thing that made the Leach team so successful was it was next man up, next man up, next man up. They would lose three receivers every year and then just throw in three more guys and were equally productive. That didn't happen this year. You see you lose Calvin Jackson and Travell Harris, and the receivers you know, who were there, they did not have anyone nearly that productive this year. Right. Yeah, man. I think that, um, just like you said, it comes down to recruiting, man. In Washington State, it's always hard to recruit there, man. There's wheat fields, and then it's a campus. And then you got Idaho across the street. So um, I think that we need to put out some type of uh, campaign or something, man. Let's get this recruiting thing cracking, man. Let's get some more donors. Let's get the boosters involved. Let's bring the old players back, whatever we have to do to make this thing happen, because it makes a lot of sense, man. Exactly what you said with the coaching changes. I think Dicker's going to be there for a long time, man. Really love his energy. He's a cool cool all the way through. So I think that we can build on this season. Yes, we didn't win the Apple Cup. There is a bowl game, but there's a lot to be celebrated on this team and with this program. So I think that's what we need to focus on as Coug fans, of course, and just try to go forward, man, and see what the future looks like. Right, and we'll use that to segue into segment three, and that is talking about the bowl game. I don't know the destination yet. Uh, It will be announced Sunday, but all signs are pointing towards uh, the Los Angeles Bowl uh, against Boise State, which maybe not a top-tier bowl game, but I think we talked about a couple weeks ago. If you're not in a New Year's Six game, the most important part of making a bowl is the 15 extra practices. And yeah. or the or however or I forget what the exact number is, but that is so key in developing young players. And, and Jake Dickard has called it it's like winter camp. You've got spring ball, you got fall camp. This is winter camp. This is another couple of weeks where you get to practice. And you know, you're there's gonna be I mean, there will be guys who are either hurt or aren't gonna play in the bowl game because of injury or don't want to get hurt for the NFL. That's just the nature of the beast nowadays. So that's an opportunity for a young guy to step in and play. A guy I look at is Christian Hillborn. He played, started in the Sun Bowl last year, wasn't good at all. And I think Christian would be the first one to tell you that. I mean, he he played, I think, 15 snaps with true freshman, first career start, and, and got burnt a bunch. But he takes that. He learns from it. He figures out what he has to do. Comes back this year and has a solid season. 
those practices, especially for a team that's so young and has so many guys that develop, those are invaluable. Right, man. And just like you said, Jamie, I don't think it really matters who you play. I know you want to be in uh, at the big dance, just like you said, January uh, 6th, but to be in a bowl game, man, it's something to be said about that. And it's something that you never forget, right? Um, it, it just like an old man like me, man, I played in the Sun Bowl, and then I played in the Rose Bowl, and that's something that I will never forget. We were a part of uh, just a hell of a program during those years. So the Cougs are having they're having a good run, man. So just again, we, we put so much stake into the Apple cup and I can say that now because we lost. Right. So I'm a downplay it. So we put so much stake in that as far as the rival and everything that goes on with that, but for our program and where we're trying to go and the consistency that we want to have, these bowl games are key one for the exposure um, I mean, and getting those players around the country that might want to come to Wazoo and um, they come out there and play some good football. But two, it, it just like you said, the experience for the young players, the experience for the current players, and then those experience and those friendships that you make throughout your campaign at Wazoo, you're never going to forget that, man. So it's a big deal. Right. And I think it honestly, you know, in L- if you're not going to be in the New Year's Six game, if you're Washington State, you go to the L.A. Bowl, that game's December 17th. So you play that game, you get done with the bowl prep, the bowl game, the season ends, and then you still have three days until signing day. So it almost, for Washington State, benefits them in that way to you can get done with the season and then you have can solely focus on closing out the first part of your recruiting class um, in those last couple of days. But, you know, it's a chance to get to eight wins, something Washington State hasn't done since 2018. Um, it's a chance to get a bowl win. Something has Washington State hasn't done since 2018, and it's seven straight bowl games for a for a program that doesn't generally go to bowl games. And a lot of people were like, "Oh, this season was was mediocre." And you know, I, the thing I said is quite frankly, it, go back ten years and and say Mike Leach is you know in the middle of Mike Leach's first season, you've got two wins, you're coming off the Paul Wolf era. Tell someone that in ten years, Washington State is going to be making their seventh straight bowl game after losing half their roster. Someone would have called you crazy. And right. said no no chance. But that's what you know, and some of that is raised standards. And Washington State has shown that you can win here. Um but I still think you have to remember where you start in all this. And this was a team that lost a ton, a team that was 4 and 4 heading into their final four games and still got back to a bowl game and still gets those practices. I think it shows a lot about the coaching staff, man, and coach Dicker. Uh again, I'll say we have the right guy. So all that stuff as far as the, the culture of Washington State, I know we're coming off the Rolovich uh, era and the Leach era. And um, it, it, there was some success there, but you talked about uh, Coach Leach in his first years, right? It, it didn't look good, but Coach Dicker brings this type of energy, man. And I think this program is really – headed in a good direction, man. I don't know if me and you, Jamie, if we can jump in that recruiting van, we could jump on a plane and we could kind of get this ride or die thing, man. We can need to go out, man, and get some of these top-tier players, man, and let them know that there's a chance here, um, that there's great exposure. Um, you can come out and make it happen, man, and we just need to be singing that from the mountaintops. I'm pretty sure you can. You played. You're an alumni. You you have that right. I can't. I, I didn't play anywhere, but I think that there's a – don't quote me on this. And we roll together, baby. That's true. That's true. I can say 
Well, only one guy you played. Yeah, but we were podcasting. It counts. It counts. Yeah. Uh, honorary honorary football player. Never. Played Love one it. year when I was in third grade. That was that was my football career. Oh. Led my team in receptions, though, I must say. Led my team in receptions. Two. Dig it. Dig Two. it. It all counts, bro. It all it counts. All counts. Um, well, uh, talking about bowl games, moving to the next segment. I assume the Rose Bowl, even if it didn't go your way, best best uh, bowl memory playing in that game? Oh, yeah, man. Not uh, – of course, the game didn't go our way, but hell of an experience, man. Just all the stuff that comes with it. You're down in L.A., man. It's um, family everywhere, man, and just the city's on fire, right? And you're young, and um, I know for me and my guys, we we really didn't – understand i guess the magnitude right until we get older and you uh kind of sit back over a beer and you're telling these stories and you're talking about the old days and yeah we got beat up out there on the field but just that ride man and being the underdog being uh coops and nobody really giving us a chance and then us kind of coming out and shocking the world man and making it to the rose bowl it was a big deal to us man and we um took that with pride and we wore it proudly on our chest yeah, you guys should give us a chance. They don't really play football in Washington, um, especially on the east side of the mountains and all this other stuff. But we had guys over there that had pride for themselves, pride for the Cougs, and um, just wanted to go out and play some good football, man. Our coach was Mike Price, and we just went out there. and We wanted to do everything for him, man, and to send him out on a good note, right? So, yeah, man, it was all about ball. It was all about showing up. And those memories, it, it, just like I said, for the current coups right now that are going to this uh, – probably going to the bowl game um, at the L.A. Bowl. But you got to sit back and smell the roses, right, and just enjoy it as you go through this ride, man, as you go through this dance. Um, because a lot of teams wish that they were in the coups – position right now exactly there i mean people say oh the season didn't go we wanted i mean ask arizona state ask arizona ask cal if they they would rather be in a bowl game than than sitting on their couches so um i think you know there there is there's such an importance to getting there um even if it doesn't even if you don't win even if it doesn't you know maybe you didn't have the best season that the bowl game is just so important um but before we get into bowl season there is still a pac-12 title game to be had uh, USC and Utah. That is this uh, Friday. I think they do it Friday. Yeah, they do it Friday. Um, should be an absolute dandy of a game. Friday at five on. Uh, I'm sure, Fox has the the broadcasting rights. Um, you know, two teams that played this year. Utah beat USC at home, uh, forty three forty two, and now you know a lot on the line for both teams. USC wins during the playoff. I mean, they are the number four team right now, and Ohio State's number five. They can't jump them. Um, and then it becomes, you know, is Utah go to the Rose Bowl or does Washington go to the Rose Bowl um, if USC qualifies for the playoff? If Utah beats USC, Utah goes to the Rose Bowl, USC will still make a New Year's Six game, but they're not in the playoff. So there is still a ton at stake for this game. And, you know, that's I, that's one of the fun things about the college football playoff and, um, and having the four-team one is there's still so much that can happen. Um, now I think Georgia and Georgia, Michigan, TCU. Even if they lose, I think they're locked in. Those are three undefeated teams. Who do you take them out for? A different one-loss team. I think those teams have proven enough. Um, but you know, the one-loss debate becomes become pretty good. I mean, USC 
Ohio State, Ohio State probably gets in. Of course, the argument being, well, Ohio State didn't have to play in a conference championship. They had the same win-loss record after the season. So there's a lot to be debated there. But who wins? Man, uh, (laughs) you know, I've never been good at math, right? And this (laughs) college thing now, man, it's like a long story problem that you really can't keep track of. And then you have all these surprises. These teams is beating these teams. Um, you got Oregon getting beat and all these different types of things, all these surprises. It makes it exciting, but at the same time, it makes it hard as hell to keep track of, right? So from a Pac-12 fans perspective, man, I just want to see um, – I just want to see good football, man. I really like SC – they got a ton of talent over there and they play well I and mean, they execute and they um, take advantage of opportunities. So I think that they're going to be very hard to beat, even though Utah has already beaten them, but that's going to be a tough game, man. I'm riding with SC. Um, they got some ball players over there, man. And they, um, they, they show up when the lights are on. I think it's going to be Utah. I think that USC has thrived off just rolling over teams for the most part. Now they've had some tough games. Um, UCLA gave them a fight, and they had to, they had to really compete for that one. Oregon State gave them a fight, but Utah at this time of year just hits a different level. We saw it last year when they steamrolled Oregon twice. Utah won the original matchup, and USC had Travis Die in that game. They don't have Travis Die now. Utah was kind of down Tavion Thomas, their uh, their star running back. He's back and ready. Dalton Kincaid, their tight end in that game, had 16 catches for 234 yards. I'm not sure how USC stops him. And the fact of the matter is, as good as the Trojans were this year, when they were away from home, things could get a little dicey. They had to kind of survive Arizona. They had to survive Oregon State. They lost to Utah. They played a ton of home games, and then they beat Stanford. But even Stanford gave them too much of a fight for how good or how bad that Stanford ended up being. I just think that there's something that clicks in Utah and Kyle Whittingham in December. He's been in this situation in the Pac-12 title game. I think they have a little more juice, and I think they they kind of come out. They punch SC in the mouth early, and SC kind of staggers, and, and Utah's able to win it. I guess we'll see, man, but I, I... – just don't know, man. There's something about the lights and SC and no, the the type of guys that they have. I think they're gamers, right? In this game, um, there's a lot riding on this game. So I think they're going to step up. Um, I can't disagree with what you said because all that stuff did happen. But I think that they're going to show up, man, and they're, and they're just really going to lock in, man, and make it happen. And that's from the quarterback all the way down to the punter and the long snapper, man. I think the guys are going to be ready. Uh, I, I I get that, and I it wouldn't stun me if USC comes out and wins. I just there's something about Utah this time of year that that kind of entices me. But hey, we'll see what happens uh, with the game. Moving on to segment uh, five or what are we at five, five six six to wrap things up. Um, a quick update on the basketball teams. I think last time we Wazoo had just beaten Eastern Washington, they turned around, blew out Detroit Mercy on Friday. Uh, I think it was 96-52, beat him by 44, set a program record with 19 threes. Yeah, exactly. Marcus got the form down. Uh, women's basketball team had a huge win last night. They beat South Dakota State by 20. 
South Dakota State had just beaten Louisville last week and was almost in the top 25. So they're rolling again as well. Uh, volleyball into the NCAA tournament. They play UNLV at 5 o'clock on Thursday as part of the San Diego Regional. So yet another tournament, seventh straight tournament for Jen Greeny's team. And then, um, yeah, besides that, baseball obviously hasn't started yet and soccer's finished. But, yeah, good times across the other sports um, at uh, for Wazoo. Marcus, you got to get out to a hoops game this year. Man, I was just about to say that, man. What's the energy like, man, in the um... – the energy in the basketball games is it like uh just as far as the crowd and the energy i used to go to the games back in the day you know the football players we thought we was cool so we would sit way up at the top man and have our hoodies on and all they that still kind of- do that they still do that <laughs> you'll, still, you'll occasionally see a group of like 10 guys roll in and sit you know 15 rows up yeah oh uh, that's but no i mean it's it's getting better it was pretty bad during the ernie kent years because they were terrible uh, you know, it, it was a little, there were games last year. It was really good. And then it's been a little inconsistent this year, but there's been some weird scheduling, some weird times, Um, you know, like the, like for Friday's game it was actually a decent crowd, Um, but still a lot of people not back yet for the Apple cup. Right. So I'm hoping yep, yep. they got a pack 12 game on Sunday against Utah, hoping the crowd's pretty good for that Um, Sunday, one o'clock. You know, the problem is right now is the weather's terrible here. It's icy. It's snowy. It's, uh, right around 20 degrees, so a lot of people not wanting to drive their cars because um, no one can drive in the snow. And if you say otherwise, you are lying. No one can drive in the snow. They're all, everyone's terrible. I got skills. I used to make it happen out there, and I was in a hatchback what uh, Ford uh, Escort <laughs> making it happen out there doing donuts. They're making no it one is good at driving in the snow. I am. I am adamant about that. Uh, adamant, I tell you. I mean, it was just. Every road yesterday was cut off because oh, someone wow. had spun out because they thought, oh, I'm good. I can drive in the snow. I mean, yeah. I, li- I live kind of right between like Valley Road. Yeah. You get too cocky. You got to respect the weather and you got to respect the road. So, yeah, I dig I, it. I live uh, kind of between like Stadium Way and the Valley Road Playfields. And every way I could have gone, accident, accident. And obviously, hope everyone's okay. And but And they didn't – nothing looked too bad. It looked like someone – Maybe it spun out a little bit and run into a snowbank, but I mean, I and I look, I'm guilty of it. I've I've hit things in the past. I mean, all my friends who are listening know the story of when I uh, slid into a pole and it knocked my bumper off. And then there were multiple occasions where I'd have to pull into a parking lot and reattach my bumper, and then it ended up being zip tied. It's my old car, but uh, hey, that's common size, baby. That's it, it is. There was an old video of me uh, in a McDonald's parking lot carrying my bumper back to my car because it had fallen off. Uh, but anyways, uh, my bumper stories aside, thank you for listening to True to the Cougs with Jamie Vinnick and Marcus Trufant, brought to you by the Believe Network, presented by Bet Online. Make sure to follow True to the Cougs on all the social media. I uh, just want to give everyone an update. The plan for us is we will keep uh, recording shows. We'll get once we get in the offseason, we'll obviously do a bowl preview and a bowl recap. But then, I mean, there's enough stuff. Get some recruiting talk, maybe some some uh, guests. And uh, the plan right now is to, to continue recording and bringing you uh, some true to the Cougs action. But for now, thanks everyone for tuning in. And as always, we'll end with a go Cougs. Cougs, baby. Let's make it happen. Go Cougs. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.